This is going to be out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 14. I've preached along these lines before, um, but I want to bring this up in a different light. But this is spiritual situational awareness. Now, we know if you have never heard the terms situational awareness, that means being aware of your situation, your environment, your place, where you're at, what you're doing, where you're going, what's around you, what's happening, right? A lot of people walk through life with blinders on and they just are they're solely concentrated on what's going on in their little world and they don't even notice what's happening around them. And that can be a very, very dangerous situation. Because you can find yourself in the middle of something really bad when you're not paying attention in this world but I'm also talking, and we're going to look at it in a spiritual light. So spiritual situational awareness causes us to stop and take a look around us before we make hasty decisions. I'm going to read out of the book of Proverbs chapter 14, several different verses. Verse 8 says, The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. I want to say that again. The prudent, that means a person who is diligent about doing things or wise in their own mind or intelligent, basically. The prudent understand where they are going. Do you know where you're going? Spiritually speaking, do you know where you're going? Do you know what you're doing with your spiritual you? How are you building that part of you? What are you doing with that part of you? Because let me tell you, the physical you is minute in the great scheme of things of how you're made up. 99.99% of you is spiritual. The physical is just this little bit. And it's going to pass away, you see. But when you look at things as in the spiritual, the spiritual you, listen very carefully, is eternal. That means it's never going to die. That means it never stops. But yet, somehow, the devil, Satan, Bill's above, has coaxed us into believing and distracted us into following the physical you. And that's all you're worried about. The clothes you're going to wear. The food you're going to eat. The little house where you live. And that's it. It's all I ever think about. My job. Oh no, I don't think about Pastor Jay. I only think about that part of me that has no promise of tomorrow. Listen how ludicrous this sounds. The only part that I think about Pastor Jay is the part that I can't even control. The only part that I'm worried about is the part that I could lose tomorrow. That I don't know how long is going to go on. The only part of me that I'm worried about controlling is that part that's going to die and somebody else is going to own anyway. Are you crazy? But then we leave the spiritual undone. The eternal stuff. The stuff that matters for eternity. That part of you suffers. And you don't know where you're going. If the physical you 
looks fat and sassy. But the spiritual you looks like somebody, somebody who just walked out of Auschwitz concentration camp. Then you need to make an adjustment. Because it should be exactly opposite. It should be opposite. It should be the well-to-do side is the spiritual side. And the side that we are just right now inheriting right now for a little while should be the physical side. The Bible says if you're born of the Spirit, you should walk and live in the Spirit. Because that's where real life is found. But we're going to go on. I'm going to read that again. The prudent understand where they are going. But fools deceive themselves. Are you deceived in about that part of you, the spiritual you? We're going to talk about how a person can deceive themselves by believing in things that suit them instead of truthful things. Verse 12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Or there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Let me say that again. There is a way, listen, this is spiritual awareness, spiritual situational awareness. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is the ways of death. That is not being spiritually situationally aware. That is being spiritually situationally deceived. Go down with me to verse 15. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent Carefully consider their steps. And verse 16, the wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Man, I'm telling you, those are some words, man. Those are some words. Dude, those are heavy, heavy hitting words, especially these last two verses. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. You're just going to walk in life with a with a oh well attitude and just do whatever somebody tells you to do. But the Bible says the prudent carefully consider their steps. Where are you going? So you can you 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 combine that with verse eight, you could almost read verse eight with verse 15 and it would read like this. The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. Fifteen only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. See how the Bible just wonderfully goes together. You don't know where you're going. Verse eight, because you don't consider your steps. How many times do we make decisions based on spiritual guidance? How many times do you make the decisions of your life, what to do, where to go, when to go, when to go to church, what, how, to, how, how to portray yourself in church, how to do, how, how many times do you pray about that and ask God to guide you and lead you in all that you do? To the average Christian person, probably one or two percent actually do that 
When the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, that means that that person carefully considers where they're going, verse 8. And then verse 15, they carefully consider their steps. They are ordered by the Lord. That means God tells me. If I look at a situation that's coming ahead and I know something's coming and I feel that like Lord is talking to me about, hey, listen, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't be a part of that. And then I just plunge ahead with reckless abandon. Then that's not that's being a simpleton. Right. You know better. You should carefully consider things and be spiritually situationally aware. This is very, very important. Situational awareness is absolutely an essential skill. It's your ability to respond to a situation and it's going to only be as effective as the clarity with which you see the situation because clarity is power. If you are not astute spiritually speaking, if you don't know the Word of God and you don't understand the voice or hear the voice of God, then clarity will not be yours in how to respond to a spiritual situation. You should have the answer right in your heart and mind because you've been a student of the Word and you've been a disciple of Jesus Christ and you've spent time with Him and when something happens that you notice in your sphere of living, then with clarity, you can know what to do. That is why people train in situational awareness because you have got to have clarity of sight into a situation and have a response to it with clarity. If you don't know, you're going to be lost. And you'll plunge ahead and you'll get yourself into trouble. Your ability to respond to that situation will be what happens to you. God is right there with you, but God allows you and me to make choices. He allows us to make choices. And if your choices are not based in spiritual clarity, then you're going to enter into the night of deception of the devil because he can make things look very appealing. Paul's message in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Look carefully. Look carefully when you walk. The admonition is to see things carefully and in clarity. That was his admonition to the church. See what needs to be seen. Not just the immediate and the obvious. Have the courage to see the reality of a situation. When I say have the courage to see the reality of a situation, it is this. That you have the courage to stand against your fallen nature that says, oh no, do it. That you have the courage and the clarity, spiritually speaking, to be guided by the Spirit and not by the flesh when you're faced with a situation that could be dangerous. You have to have the courage to do that. You have to. 
If you're going to see things clearly. Listen, how good is that to be able to do that? If we could just practice that, put it into practice, stand against our emotions and our feelings, stand against our wants and our desires and walk in spirit and in truth with Christ and walk in clarity that when God speaks and God's talking, you do it. Because he knows that situation better than you do. I would rather trust my God, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who sees the end of something way before it happens and sees the past as well. He's in the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future. How could you go wrong with a God who never lies, is not based in confusion, and will tell you what's going to happen, but you just don't listen because you think you know better. That's called pride. That's disobedience. How good would it be just to do what he says? Amen? The church houses would be full all the time if people would do as God said. People's lives would be happier if they do what God says. You'd, you'd be out of so much trouble and turmoil if you just walked in obedience. Turmoil will find you, but it won't be self-inflicted. Let me say that again. Self-inflicted. So much of what we get ourselves involved in is what? Say it with me. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted wounds. To the person that picks up that beer can, you know what the possibilities are after you empty that thing into your gut. To the person that picks up a, a, a marijuana or shoots something in their veins, you know what the possibilities are when you do that. But oh no, you know better. Self-inflicted. God says in your spirit, turn left. You say, nope, I'm going straight. Because you know why? I've always done that. And I've got this saying that says, if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you've always got. To think something different would happen is insanity. If you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. You want out of the hole you're in? Do something different. What you're doing puts you where you're at. If you don't like where your life's right at right now, well, guess who put you there? You did. Isn't that... Isn't that just some sort of a thought to think that? That perhaps I'm to blame. Beware of allowing yourself to screen out realities you don't want to see. This is another common problem that I've seen in, my, in this ministry that Jesus Christ has put me in. Is people screen out stuff they just don't want to have. I'm going to filter that out because I don't want that. God said to do this, but I'm not comfortable with doing that. So I'm going to do it this way. Well, then you get jacked up because that's what happens. It might not happen immediately. Similar to raising children. 
If you don't raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, if you don't train them up in the way that it should go, and, and when it's old, it will depart from it, you're going to raise a hellion. At some point in time, the seed in which you plant into the ground will grow up and produce fruit. It's just the way this world works. It is the way God designed it to be. I pray God spray spiritual roundup in all the bad seeds that I planted before I was saved and even after. Kill them out, God. Don't let them take root. Because that evil, once it grows up, it goes from one little seed and it bears fruit into millions of seeds. That one little corn seed that you put in the ground grows up into a stalk that has several different heads on it. It's got thousands of seed on it. That's the biblical perspective and doctrine of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. And you always reap a hundredfold more than what you sowed into the ground. Situationally aware. What you're doing today is going to grow up tomorrow and be a hundred times worse. You know that alcohol that you're consuming? One day the doctor could look at you and say, you have cirrhosis of the liver. There's your harvest. Now you're going to die. Or you think you've got this thing under control and you drive off the road and you kill somebody. Now you're going to prison because you were driving illegally intoxicated. This is sowing and reaping. It's a simple thing. What does your garden look like? Your spiritual garden that you're planting. In your situational awareness, you're throwing seed into the ground of your spiritual life, so to speak, if you would. If you would look at your life as a garden in which you have planted spiritually, what have you put in your spiritual garden? Is it, is it If I was to pull up and, and God was to show us each one our spiritual gardens and we was to go to one of them community garden places where everybody's got their garden growing, would yours look nasty, weedy, viney, all jacked up and hardly any fruit at all growing? Or would yours be manicured, nicely tended, stuff growing where it's supposed to be, all organized, well taken care of? Because everything you put in it is what you threw on the ground. Beware that you don't screen out realities you don't want to see. Sometimes... Doing the right thing is an uncomfortable thing. Sometimes standing for Jesus Christ might require you to put your job on the line. Oh, but I can't do that, Pastor Jay. Hmm. So you would deny Christ over 20 bucks an hour. Well, that's a little less than 30 pieces of silver, I guess. Wow. Realizing that you have blind spots in your situational awareness 
Have the courage to see through the lens of God and trust that sometimes we think we see more clearly than what we really do. What things look like isn't necessarily always what they are. But you've got to see through God's eyes and through the lens of Jesus Christ and then trust that. God might ask something of you that makes absolutely no sense to you right now at all. No sense. No sense at all. I'll give you an example. When we started this church, I had already pastored for many years. When we started this church almost 20 years ago now, we were in my front room Then we went to a gymnasium in Huber Heights at the old Plaza Lanes bowling alley where we would get there early and set up all this equipment and I'd play music and then we'd set out seats. We'd have to get there two hours early just to have church and we'd get all this stuff done and Steve helped me. Steve Anderson was just such a blessing from God to me and we got her done and we had packed that place out and then God showed me this awning. That's where I'm supposed to be. Made no sense. God, why don't you show me where it's at and not an awning. That funny awning out there comes like that and then goes down. That's what I see. And then God showed that same vision to another old lady that was in this congregation who has since passed away. I've seen that too, Pastor Jay. And God confirmed that vision. But if it wasn't for us looking for a funky awning... Pilar might not have ever got saved. Made no sense to me at the time. Made no sense to me at the time. But I just followed what God said. And here we are. And we've seen miraculous things happen at the hand of God. Realize that you have blind spots. As I've said before, you have these blind spots that leaves you wide open. Trust God with those blind spots. Blind spots could be things that you know you're blind to it. Perhaps it's someone in your family. You love them so much, that's okay. They get a free pass with me. Is that you? I'll engage in their ungodliness because I love them. No. Convictions, we talked about that. Conviction is when you stand on that hill and say, I die here. I don't go no further than this and I don't care who you are. I don't care what rank you have in this world. This is where Jay Keaton stands. And I don't do that. Do you have that? Or do you have known blind spots? What's your blind spots? We tend to see situations in a way that justifies our current behaviors. So instead of being purely, wholly, situationally aware, spiritually speaking, and allowing that situational awareness with clarity and holiness that comes from God and the Scripture to be our guiding light, no, we only see things in a way that justifies our current behavior patterns. 
Well, I'm going to go to that church, Rich. You know why? Because that Pastor Jay, he just, he just preaches the gospel and too much truth. I, this fits me more, but this better. This better for me. That preacher right there, why he says ain't nothing wrong with drinking and getting drunk. Well, that's the gospel I want. I don't want to hear. I want to hear that this is my best life now. I want to hear a Joel Osteen moment. I, I want to. I want somebody to preach and tell me how great I am. Well, yes, you are great, but without Christ, you're going to go to hell. I want to be the first one to tell you that. This is not your best life now. If this is your best life now, then you have been sorely deceived. Because if this gray hair and this fat belly right here is my best life now, then I'm, I'm pretty bad off. Everybody in here said amen. I couldn't believe that. I was wondering, somebody said, well, that's not true. That's not true, Pastor Jay. I only thought you weighed 180. Yeah, this is not your best life now. You're fixing to die, man. Every one of us in here is not going to make it. How is this my best life now? It's not my best life now. You're here today, gone tomorrow. You're well today, sick tomorrow. You're okay today and in pain tomorrow. You got a place to live right now, maybe not tomorrow. How is this your best day now? Joel Osteen, he's just a fool. He's making money off of vulnerable people who don't know no better. Look close and look around you and looking around you is very hard work. I'm not saying that this is easy. But always being on the lookout is something that is a diligent thing that you do on purpose. It's not an easy thing to always be on the lookout and to be true to what you see. You've got to remove your ego, your spiritual ego from it. You can't look at it and say, well, ah, that's no big thing. I can do that. I can overcome that. No, to be able to look at things and, and uh, allow yourself to make a good spiritual wholesome judgment and sticking to it takes a lot of wherewithal and determination. And it also takes loyalty and devotion to Jesus Christ. And when you can do that, brother, you've arrived. Life will be better for you. But we get kicked in the pants and we get kicked in the face because we keep doing stuff outside of the clarity that's given to us through the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. That's why. It's a fight between your old nature and your new. Your old nature says, go for it. Let's get it done. You plow ahead with no thought. No thought of what could happen, the consequences, or if it's the will of God. Is it the will of God that you do what you're getting ready to do? Or is it not? You might displease people, but I would rather please God than people. Right? New nature says, whoa, 
Slow down just a minute. Let's think about this. I got something I want to show you. We had a vacation plan many years ago. Emily was just little. And I think we were going to go to Myrtle Beach or Virginia Beach, one of those. And we just had our hearts set on it. Do you know how going on a vacation is when you're a working person? When you're a working person and you're tired of the workplace and you're just dying to get out of there for a week or two, you get excited even planning a vacation. I mean, it's so good to even, man, I'm going to go out there and get the car ready. Zippity-doo-da-day. Right? I mean, you're just happy you go out there and you skip along. I seen a guy at the campground this morning. He was, he would get any stuff out of the, they had rented a cabin up there at the campground and I immediately recognized what he was going through. And he was still a working man. And he was going over to the cabin and he's getting stuff out and he's putting it in the car. He's already thinking about tomorrow, Monday. Oh, God. I said, wasn't it so much better when you packed that car the first time? He goes, yes. He goes, how can having less stuff packed so bad? He's just dragging along like this. Knowing he's got to go into a boss that he hates. Right? Well, the new nature says slow down. Let's look at this for a second. Let's evaluate what could happen. The excitement of doing that might cause you to overlook something. So I'm sitting there and we're happy. And then the Lord says, don't go. He never told me why. You're not going. And I fought it for like a day or two. I'm like, no. I was like, no, 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 no. And the Spirit kept saying to me, don't go. I don't care how long you've planned this. Don't go. I don't want you going. I told Tammy, I said, we can't go on vacation. And I was like mad at God. And I was like, why? She, I said, well, the Lord says that we, we're not supposed to go this time. She says, okay. So we put it off. Only to find out that the hotel where we were going and the beach, the very beach where we were going to swim was infested with sharks that week we were supposed to be there. And people were getting bitten and there were jellyfish all over the place and they were stinging people at the very place we were going. And I remember as a child will often do its parents get mad. You would not believe how mad Emily got at me because we would not let her listen to Britney Spears when she was growing up. Right? Britney Spears was so popular in her age group. Hit me, baby, one more time. You know, all them songs that they were singing. Well, look at what she is now. Look at what that music turned into. God knew what he was doing. What, she went from Mickey Mouse Club? Was that her? to the Playboy Club, basically. I'm glad that God knows. You might be disappointed at first, but fast forward just a little while and you'll see why God did what He did. 
But you have to have courage enough to believe it and to execute God's will in your life. No matter, Tom, what you might think. You just do it. Do it. Let Him control your situation. Because there are things that you probably cannot see that God sees. Like the time we were at Kings Island, and I'll wrap it up, and I've told you this before. Massive thunderstorm, tornadic looking thing coming in, shut the parks down, shut the shut all the shuttles down. We were staying in the campground. I'm standing there with two kids in my arms, and God says, Be still. That is exactly opposite of what I wanted to do. Lightning was flashing, and I could feel the heat off of that stuff hitting me in the back. I mean, it was like the, it, but the wind just kicked up, and man, it was black. And, and the whole park, we were standing there alone in the middle of that gigantic sea of asphalt. And everybody else had walked to their cars and was walking to the camping area, and they were way far away from us. And out of nowhere, a shuttle pick comes up, picks us up, and we make it to our camper way before the rest of them people made it to theirs and beat the storm by a mile. Because we did what God said. If you don't think God will talk to you in your present reality, you're crazy. He will. You're just not listening. You know too much. You got it way too covered. Be vulnerable for once in your life. Admit you don't know it all for once in your life. And God will speak to you, folks. He will speak to you and will help you.